Hey guys, Rusty here from Impact Dynamics and I want to thank you uh, personally for uh, listening to the audio version of the Impact Dynamics live show. This is like a daily show that we've been doing uh, online uh, through our YouTube channel. Uh, a couple of things don't necessarily translate into audio. apologise in advance for that. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a video show and uh, we just thought we'd put these together for the guys who are perhaps driving to work or whatever it is. And So you still get a chance to be involved. Wanted to let you know that Wednesday nights we do this Zoom hangout after the show. So if you happen to be around and you happen to be able to be watching uh, during that. Uh, at the end of the show, we put the numbers up for the Zoom uh, Zoom room, I guess, uh, jump on and, and we get to uh, show off guns and look at each other and talk about stuff. And it's been really a, a, an excellent way to sort of continue to uh, to see that, that other people and grow that community as we go along. So anyway, uh, won't waste any more of your time. We'll keep these shows coming uh, six days a week. And let's get into the show now. Thanks for listening. Good evening guys, Rusty here and welcome back to Impact Dynamics back on uh, Easter Monday. Hope you guys had a wonderful Easter and ate all the chocolate and uh, killed the, I mean, um, found the Easter bunny um, and yeah, got in, got into it. It's uh, great to uh, great to be back and we have an exciting week uh, coming up. There's a few exciting guests coming up uh, Thursday night. Steve Hurt who runs and owns and does all the things behind Outer Edge projectiles. Um, it's very rare to get someone on who actually designs projectiles for a living so I'm looking forward forward to that. That's a uh, reloading night, Thursday night. Uh, Friday, a little uh, special guest is on. Uh, you may know him from a particular podcast. That's all I'm allowed to put out at the moment. And then some other uh, people through the week tonight, Chris Hooper, very excited about uh, joining us. So we'll get on to him in a moment. Um, Projector Warehouse is sponsoring the show, as you guys probably know by now, but you know, there's, there may be some new names dropping in. So uh, jump over to the website, projectorwarehouse.com.au, and we are seeing the code IDLIVE5 uh, come through on a few orders, which is excellent. IDLIVE number five, uh, and just added all of the uh, Outer Edge projectiles there, and uh, stock will be coming through of those later in the week. So if you're checking out the Outer Edge stuff, uh, that will be great, particularly on Thursday night when uh, Steve will uh, tell you all about it, which will be exciting. Uh, chuck any questions into the chat on YouTube. That's the place to go. We'll see those comments and stuff. Uh, Scott is saying good day already. Hello, Scott. How you doing? Hope you're uh, you're well and your Easter is good. Uh, I we can't put photos up. In I was going to get everyone to take photos of their big Easter eggs, but anyway, that's uh, that could be demoralising for me because I don't think I got any. But that's uh, probably for the better. I've got enough uh, enough. The kids got so much chocolate that I can just eat it all theirs, and I'll be I'll be fine for a couple of weeks. Very good. All right. Uh, so tonight's guest uh, a little bit different to I guess the the guest we have normally, uh, although. Uh, He's a, he's a shooter and, and I've known him for quite a long time and uh, we oh, I'll tell you the story of how we met uh, momentarily but um, he is also uh, an accountant very well uh, very well ta- very talented accountant and I've asked him to come on tonight to share a little bit of breakdown of what's uh, going on financially a little bit about the stimulus stuff that's happening because uh, there's lots of numbers being thrown about and we've got no idea Many of us don't quite know what relates to us or, or that sort of thing. So if you guys are in the chat and that's of interest or you've got questions about that, throw that up and we shall bring him on now. Chris, uh, down in the southeast somewhere, uh, are, you, are you there, mate? Hey, Rusty, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. There you are. We found found you on the thing. Excellent. How is it down in the southeast of South Australia? Yeah, pretty good, man. Pretty quiet, which is uh, where you want to be to wait this whole thing out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. What's what's the the feeling like? Uh, I know we talked before. You're talking about the tourist side of things, pretty quiet. But what's the general feel? Look, I think you know tourism is is down, obviously, um, which is probably a good thing in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's it's kind of business as usual. I mean, we've got a lot of dairy farms around here and a lot of other primary production, and for them, it's still business as usual. You know, um, thankfully, because I mean, we 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 still need that produ- produce and we still need the the trucks that deliver it. Um, and I guess you know, in town, um, you know, things I'd probably say maybe half of the businesses here are shut. Um, those are co- probably the tourist tourism aligned businesses you know um, have been shut down um, but again like you know so far as primary production and the logistics supply chain like that has to keep on going so i think in that respect 
yeah, still business as usual. Yeah, right. And and you had only recently moved down there, uh, and yeah. I, I did ask you before, had you joined a gun club yet? Because I know that was part of your plan of getting down there and being able to shoot a little bit more. And then this whole thing happened. Yeah, so I had like this big grand plan and I didn't want to kind of like overwhelm myself with, you know, extracurricular like social activities. Mm. So, you know, first first week here, I kind of I signed up with the CFS because that's kind of what you do when you're a young, able-bodied man, like of course you do. Um, and then, you know, second thing I did was uh, like find and join the local gym. Um, and I'm glad that we had one here at the local footy club. Yep. Um, and then the third thing I was going to do, as I was saying to you on the phone, like maybe a month ago, was that I was going to join the, the local gun club. Yeah. I mean, they were pretty hard to find, you know, because it's, uh, I guess, you know, not like there's um, banners plastered up around on the main drag or anything like that. Yep. But anyway, I found them. I found, you know, the president and the, the treasurer and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and was all sort of set to um, to join up. And then sort of they everything just got shut down, like all, all social activities. It was first CFS. Yep. I, I got word from uh, from one of the girls there that it's like, cool, all of our meetings and trainings, they're, they're off now. Yeah, um, okay. And then the second was like the gym, you know, got the got the message from like the gym owner just going like, sorry, man, we've got to shut down. Um, and then, yeah, like the, the gun club uh, had actually closed prior to that. So, yeah, I was actually saying to a mate that it's like kind of all of my hobbies, you know, overnight just kind of got put on hold, um, which which kind yeah. of sucks. But, you know, I guess I'm making the most of it around the house, you know, just working on this place. Yeah, do, do what you can while you can. Now, remember when mm. we, we met uh, originally, I don't know if you remember the email I sent, but I, I was looking at starting all, all of this that we're involved with now and I was looking for an accountant and I I saw yours on a um, on a on a forum, I reckon, uh, like a, a solo business forum, sent you an email and said, look, you know, here's the business I'm in and, and this is what I'm looking at doing. And I, I'm pretty sure you wrote back with a picture of a target that you'd shot just saying, I, I think we can help you out. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think- I've literally just been shooting that weekend and I think you emailed me on the on the Monday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just went, I think I found the guy. I reckon, uh, I reckon oh. he might understand what I'm talking about because uh, many, many don't. Good match, and you know that was a, that was a good outing as well. Um, I think I had a pretty tight, you know, uh, pretty tight grouping on there too. Uh, I'll have to dig up the photo, um, but I think that was a good weekend. Yeah, right. I re- I seem to remember it was an air rifle or a twenty two or something. You said anyway. No, I was- it was a Savage twenty two. I remember yeah. the one. It was a mate of mine's. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. And I, me- I actually I remember uh, a few years. We used to every every year our business still existed. Uh, we used to do a little gathering when I had a few more people sort of contracting for me, and so we yeah. we get together. And I remember you guys came down and blew some clays about. Was that your first yeah. time shooting clays, or have you done that a fair bit? No, no, no. I've done it plenty of times before. Yeah. I absolutely suck at clays, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if you remember this, but you actually taught my wife to shoot yes. for the very first time. I remember so that. So her yep. first ever shoot, because I've been on her case for years. Gone. Come she out was, with me, come out with me. Yeah, and she was nervous um, about that. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, you, you you know, sat with her for like 10 minutes or so, I, I guess giving her like a, a bit of a pep talk and safety mm-hmm. briefing. I think you you uh, you gave her a different gun as well. I can't remember. I think you called it the lady rifle or something. Uh, it was probably it was probably a four ten. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. Shotgun to start off with. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it was um, um, it would probably had a little less kick to it. Mm. Um, talk to her, and then the first clay that you sent up, she yep. nailed right. <laughs> Um, and then she just put the gun down going, okay, cool. I'm retiring. I'm defeated. <laughs> and that was it. She never shot again, but um, oh, really? she's still talking about that. Oh, maybe, maybe there's some still hope. I'll head down there and uh, we'll get, get out again. Oh, absolutely. All, all good, mate. Excellent. Excellent. And, um, and what, what type of shootings you, do you enjoy the most? Um, probably, yeah, like long distance, like rifle stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I very like, very much like, I guess, taking my time, yep. if you know what I mean, um, uh, and just being able to, like, you know, size up a target, you know, get the breathe. It's, it's almost like a meditation type thing, and I'm sure plenty of other people have sort of, you know, yep. explained it that way. But, um, yeah, like, uh, I think very much like the, the process of that in terms of uh, being able to take my time with the shot as well. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite, and my least favorite is definitely um, like clay clay pigeons. Like I, I, I like I just freak out, you know. <laughs> Can't make it work. 
I can't make it work, man, because I think that that time where uh, my my wife nailed the, the first <laughs> one she got sent up, I missed six in a row. And it's scarred like, yeah, cool. Yeah, and, okay. I've just been outdone by my wife. <laughs> first time out. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. Very good, mate. Well, are you able to give us a little bit of an overall uh, picture of, of some of the financial side of things at the moment? Because the government's got job seeker, job oh, man, seeker, just, uh, just, and, and every every few days things change. And, and you know, we could certainly get yeah. bogged down in details and per, you know, perhaps we can be guided by a few questions from, from some of the... the yeah, look, I think on. that's probably a good way to handle it too. Yeah. But look, I, I mean, in the scheme of things, it's, it's no surprise that you're sort of like, I guess, like a bit foggy on this stuff, mm. man, because this started as... $8 billion worth of stimulus. Um, yeah. And a couple of things were going on. Like literally a week later, it escalated to like $100 billion in, in stimulus. I'm like, wow. You know, how did that happen? <laughs> um, and then like a week later, you know, we'd gotten up to like $200 billion. Um, and I'm just kind of sitting here just going like, what's going on, guys? And like the crazy thing was, right, and this is very frustrating for me and the, the other accountants out there, is that this stuff was announced um, and then we're getting phone calls, you know, from, from clients and stuff like that going mm. like, what does this mean? How do we do it? And it's like, well, just chill. Like yeah. the legislation hasn't even gone through. We don't even know if it will go through. Like Labor have to kind of come on board for this as well um, for, for it to actually go through, right? So I think, you know, the, the incumbent government at the moment was so busy just doing press conferences and saying stuff and making promises um, which is not the usual course of business, right? Like no. usually it's kind of announced that we're going to try and put some legislation through. We're going to wait for legislation. It'll get amended and chopped and changed and then, you know, it'll come come through. And that's like a six to 12 month process, right? Mm. Instead, you've got this press conference where like, you know, promises are being made. You've got these landing pages being chucked up from the government. Um, and then you've got like this two or three week lag time from uh, in terms of it actually being legislation. Because, I mean, I don't like to sort of speculate on, on, on government policy until there's actual legislation in front of me that I can actually, you know, sink my teeth into. Um, so it was very difficult for me to just tell everyone just like, yo, just chill, like take a breather yeah. um, and like we'll, we'll see what's actually in the legislation. Now, fortunately, the legislation actually passed on Thursday, I think it was. So we're getting a bit more clarity around this. The last thing that kind of needs to be handed out, and that's still a work in progress, is the actual administrative side of things, you know, because on, on this side, we've got like, okay, cool, this is the law, this is how it works, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, the administration, I guess, is more of the, well, you know, what are the actual mechanics? What form do I have to fill in? You know, what what field do I have to fill in on my, my next business activity statement or whatever? Um, to actually make this happen. Um, and that's still, that stuff is still kind of like a work in progress. Um, but what I'm telling um, like clients, I guess, is to just, you know, stay business as usual as much as you can. Yep. Um, and I guess just kind of hope that it'll all like work out, you know, because I have heard stories of people trying to do like dodgy stuff like backdating registrations or, you know, trying to like pump up numbers on some things and tank numbers on others. And it's like, Dude, like people are going to find out about that. Um, it's not going to end well for you. Um, so like just keep doing as if none of this had ever been announced. And then if you're eligible, you'll be eligible. If you're not, well, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, and that's something I want to make abundantly clear to everyone like watching is that like if you're not eligible, like no amount of, you know, tweaking or tinkering or backdating or whatever is going to make you eligible. Um, and it's just kind of luck of the draw. And there are winners and losers in these announcements as well, you know. So, like, you know, sole proprietors, like, uh, as in, you know, individual, like, non-employers, I guess, businesses, um, like, they're getting hammered. Freelancers, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, tough cookies. Uh, and there, there are people, I guess, winners and losers in, in this. Um, but I, I guess that's kind of luck of the draw, you know. They can't kind of factor in every single conceivable scenario here yeah. and they are definitely biased toward employers and and rightfully so i guess um and that's kind of that is what it is you know mm, okay yeah it's uh it's certainly challenging times and i mean i they're, they're clearly they're they're under the pump because i got a phone call today from whatever they're called called now services australia or i thought i thought it was really strange 
But anyway. Yep. Um... So just on that, in terms of Department of Human Services, or AKA settling, um, like part of the, the business stimulus was actually designed to, to lift the burden or the load off of Centrelink, right? Because I'm sure you, you guys read about it in the, the news that as soon as like the, um, the job seeker sort of like payments, it was basically uh, a supplement to, to the new start like Dole mm-hmm. um, was, was announced after a whole bunch of people got laid off. Like you're talking like hundreds of thousands of people got laid off in the space of a week, right? Um, and I don't know how they thought this was going to end, but Centrelink got smashed, right? You, yeah. you saw the photos on, online with yeah. like lineups, which is the funniest thing ever when you're trying to like contain a virus. <laughs> lineups, you know, for like a, a thousand yards, you know, out the front of Centrelink and the, the online services kept crashing all the time. Mm. Um, and it was just absolutely nuts, right? So this whole JobKeeper payment, which goes to the employer, um, was kind of introduced as a way going like, look, if your business has been shut down, we're going to pay you to pay your employees instead of them actually going to Centrelink, right? Because they're not necessarily like unemployed. They've just been like, what the term is furloughed, which is kind of like leave without pay, I guess. Um, and as soon as this all starts back up again, we want them to come back to work for you. So we're going to give them, I guess, or give you the employer the, the money to pay them. And it was really basically just to like ease some of the burden off of Centrelink, right? Mm, okay, it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty violent because that that was what it was about the job job seeker one, and then I uh, yeah that's the, right the, the job keeper might be a bit more relevant to what I'm doing. Um, and Essentially, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So see see how it all pans out. Now I've got a couple of questions yep. that have come through for you, Chris, if you don't sure. mind. Um, yeah, go for it. So I don't know if you if you know, but you're probably across this that um, a number of states have basically closed gun shops or or then. Rolled that back a little bit just to apply restrictions yeah. on sales of firearms and, and ammo. And, and as yeah. you would know, for gun shops, that's most yeah. of it. Um, and yeah, so right. Anthony's got a question about sort of like, and it's pretty generalised, but with those those uh, companies with those restrictions, how long would they have in this current climate and, and what can they do to survive? Um, so I guess being a gun store, right. And being, I guess, compulsorily shut down by the government is in this context is actually no different to, um, to them shutting down gyms or cafes and restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So in effect, you're directly impacted by, um, you know, the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess by virtue of that, you know, you can be propped up with, um, you know, the, the job keeper, um, you know, payments uh, and, uh, you know, that cash flow boost payment that they're, they're doing through the, the BAS this quarter and so forth. Um, but, I mean, and that's kind of it. So, you, you know, gun, gun shops um, are basically chucked into the same basket as, um, as, you know, the gyms and restaurants and all of the other businesses that have been shut down. And beyond things like the JobKeeper payment and, um, uh, you know, that the, the $20,000 lump sum payment, um, which I think they're calling the cash flow boost or whatever, um, and I guess rent relief, which is another um, one that we should talk about. Um, other than that, that, that's kind of it, you know. But I like to think of this, um, you know, costs, because what you need to do is like, okay, if you've got no revenue coming in, you need to kill expenses to save your business, right? Mm-hmm. And I call it the big three, yeah? So the first one is, is payroll. You've got to cut off payroll. Now, the government is basically paying you the JobKeeper payment so that you can keep payroll alive. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll meet in the middle on that one. So the next one you need to think about killing off is rent, okay? And what the, the federal government have basically mandated now is that um, your landlord, so if you've got a bricks and mortar gun shop, um, your landlord basically has to reduce your rent by the same proportion that your revenue has been reduced, right? Wow. okay. So let's say that, um, you know, uh, the state has basically said you can't sell, you know, ammo anymore. Um, okay, cool. There's 50% of your revenue just like vaporized. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah like um, probably more. Um, then you basically have the ability to go to your, to your landlord if you're leasing a retail shop and go, okay, cool, my revenue is down 50%. I'm reducing my rent by 50%. And, you know, the federal government says so. And that's kind of the end of it. And they have to sort wow. of adhere to that yeah right yeah which is is useful in these types of situations right? yeah because the thing is the, the the state doesn't want to um want you to fire people mm-hmm. 
and they don't want you to terminate your lease agreements, right? Because they're saying this is a temporary thing. Yeah, it's going to be back to business as usual mm -hmm. um, in, you know, who knows how long, but <laughs> yep. theoretically it's supposed to be back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we want your employees, you know, to come back and we want you to sort of, you know, ease into sort of um, paying normal terms on rent. Now, there's a lot more fine print, obviously, in this rent thing um, than I'm kind of, um, I can speak about on this without taking up the entire hour. <laughs> but, you know, the idea is that it's, you know, a proportionate reduction, you know, relative to your revenue. And then it also kind of papers or phases back in um, once we go back to business as usual. So it's not like, boom, okay, lockdown's lifted, um, everyone go back to work. And then boom, you just start paying 100% rent again. It, it does phase in. So there is a lot of fine print in that, but it is much welcome um, relief for businesses that have been effectively shut down by the government. And then the last one of the big three. So we said we talked about payroll, we talked about rent. The last one is um, is purchases or cost of goods sold. Those are your three biggest uh, expenses, and they probably account for 80% of all of your expenses, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I guess the, the thing is in terms of like guns and ammo, you've already bought, you know, you've already got in stock what you've got in stock. And I guess the reality is, you know, don't buy anymore. And two, I guess you probably can't buy anymore because from what I've been hearing, Rusty, there's a 12 month lead time from the United States in terms of getting ammo uh, into the country. Is that about spot on? That um, I I don't know. Um, not in terms of ammo because I, I I don't personally deal with ammo very much. Uh, and I'm not. But have you sure. heard things from mates? Uh, not not in that sort of time frame. Uh, like most of the time frames I've heard are just unknown. Just okay. Not, oh wow, that's that's probably just, worse than twelve months. Yeah. So look, it could be it could be it could be better. Um, I'm gonna hopefully get. Get, uh, from you know, I deal with uh, scoped out. So from an optic side of things, I'm hoping to get some updates yep. on that side of things in yep. the next week because uh, Vortex yep. just announced a really great scope that looks amazing. Yeah, I'm hoping we see them in like two or three weeks, which would be normal yep. for them announcing a scope. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So that, that I can't imagine like accessories like optics mm. and stuff like that being like you know completely smashed by um by all of this like prepper buying. Yeah, but, like, ammunition man like has been absolutely decimated and it's funny i've been talking to all of my mates both here and in the united states and they will just laugh and they're like dude i already keep like five g's worth of ammo on hand anyway like yeah that's, that's a buy standard yeah i got you yeah um which is good right mm. um but you know talking to, to to gun shop owners and stuff like that both here and in america i'm getting this sort of 12 month figure kind of being thrown around um, because obviously the factories in the States are working sort of double time yep. um, to yep, sort of to, to meet demand. Mm. Um, but I guess if demand spread, stretch like globally, um, you know, like, yeah, I guess there is. It's kind of like the toilet paper supply chain, man. In fact, it's no different to the toilet paper supply chain. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we've got the, the the local place, I think, Kimberly Clark here in South Australia. They're running three shifts, so they're working 24-7. Yep. Um, and I don't know what your your local supermarket's like, but, you know, ours is still, our shelves are still empty, yeah. you know? Yeah. Wouldn't it know. goes out as soon as it comes in, you know? Yep. Yeah, people, it becomes a, a very required item. Supply is up. I mean, yeah. demand is um, up. And look, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like... This should come as no surprise to a lot of your audience, you know. Um, and, I, I mean, as a minimum, you should be keeping three months of, of everything, yeah, <laughs> yep. um, be that toilet paper, canned food or ammunition, um, like, on, on your person. Because, like, the way the modern supply chain works is, like, you know, just-in-time inventory, like, the supermarkets are cleared out within three days if they're not restocked. You know, and this is actually raises another interesting point. Um, and I keep saying this to, to, to friends of mine is that like the, the trucks in Australia, like we we're very dependent on a very, I guess, um, sensitive supply chain that like a stiff breeze could like knock over. And I think the number one most important thing to actually factor in here, which I guess the federal and state governments haven't been talking about much, is it's like we have to keep the trucks running yep. and really we have to keep the farms going. The farms seem to be doing okay, right? But it's like the, the trucks need to keep running. Um, so anything that kind of inhibits or interferes with the supply chain, like at least domestically, like that's a big problem. Like international supply chains are already disrupted. Like, <laughs> 
Yes. Um, people have been talking about trouble getting imports and exports out of the country and imports into the country of, of any manner of things mm. um, across a, a number of different countries. But, I mean, our domestic supply chain, food first and foremost, like that to needs work. to be secured, like, you know, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Got another question here from APW75. I've heard that people can get 10 grand uh, from super. Uh, what do you know about that? Uh, he yes. could do with a new a new rifle and scope setup. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay, so in order to get like the the ten grand, first you need to be able to demonstrate that you've actually been affected by um, the coronavirus, right? So you need to have lost your job or lost your your primary source of income or or what have you. Um, once you pass that eligibility hurdle, then it's pretty much like fair game in terms of um, I guess getting the cash um, and you know, it's it's usually taxed at a pretty punitive um, rate if you if you access your superannuation early. Basically, they're saying tax free, which I think is not necessarily a terrible idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's actually ten grand in the twenty twenty financial year, which we've only got like three months left of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's another ten grand in the the twenty twenty one financial year, which is obviously in four months time. So it's twenty grand um, all up. And yeah, I mean, the, the number one consideration is if you can uh, get the eligibility, because everyone everyone automatically thinks that they're actually eligible for it. But if you've still got your job and you're still making, you know, the same money you were two months ago, um, you're probably not going to be eligible for it. But if you have actually been uh, adversely affected by this, then you absolutely can. Um, and I think that's to help people make mortgage repayments, to put food on the table and that sort of stuff. Um, and I guess if you want to buy, you know, rifles and uh, related accessories too. Yeah, there's got to be got to be something said of, of pulling money out that's probably probably already tanked a bit in the market. Oh, mate, the, the super funds have been absolutely smashed, yeah. right? So yeah, yes. don't get me started on that one. <laughs> okay, no problems. Uh, the there is a there's a good question here from Ben. Uh, some smaller Australian manufacturers and gunsmiths often seem to struggle even before COVID. Uh, from yeah, your perfect. perspective, what's the biggest mistake businesses often make that hold them back? Okay. Sorry? If you had to narrow it down to one. Um talking from a from a um Australian manufacturing point of view, so guys who are producing product uh from raw basically here. Uh, yeah. Um I don't think there's a mistake that's being made here. Um I think it is kind of like the world slash odds are stacked against you, right, in Australia, um, especially against manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I, I guess first the, the intervention in the labour market, right, so minimum wage in Australia is about 20 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. In the United States, there's no such thing as a minimum wage. Yeah, or it might be, but it's like $5 an hour, right? So you've got minimum wages to, to consider here, right? And that puts you on the back foot. Okay. Another thing that puts you on the back foot um, is like the health safety, like red tape, right? Um, you know, when, and this is probably more relevant to comparing Australian manufacturing to Chinese manufacturing, right? Um, is that, um, you know, China doesn't have as like, I guess, like hardcore, like health safety um, standards as Australia does, right? And health and safety, the welfare of your employees, that costs money. Um, and I think the, the third one to be acutely aware of, especially right now is the exchange rate, right? So the Australian dollar is getting absolutely smashed. Um, and I think in some respects, the exchange rate can work in your favor. In other respects, it can work against you, right? So at the moment with a super high US dollar, American manufactured or produced ammunition is looking really expensive right now, right? And by no influence of your own, um, suddenly your product is actually much more competitive on a price basis, right? Um, that being said, and this is the big disclaimer, it depends on how much of your like supply chain is actually coming from or denominated in American dollars, right? So if 80% of what you produce, right, and you may be manufacturing it in Australia, but if 80% of what you produce is is in America, right, well, you have to pass those costs on, right? Yep. So if the, the American dollar is suddenly 50% more, um, then, you know, those costs are going to be factored into your manufacturing and you're going to have to pass them on to cons- your consumers. But if you've got an entirely domestically sourced supply chain, 
and the American dollar skyrockets, right, then suddenly your product is way more competitive. And I guess the opposite is true. So if the American dollar tanks, suddenly it's much cheaper for me to buy ammunition from the, the States or buy American brands. Um, and, you know, I, I guess that, that that is what it is. So I think in manufacturing, there are a lot of external forces that you can't control, that you're kind of battling up against. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's mistakes made on the manufacturer's part. The only thing I can kind of stress um, in terms of like, well, what can you do? What can you control is probably efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I guess technology and um, a, a process called Lean Six Sigma, um, which is kind of like this manufacturing methodology that was implemented in, in Japan in sort of the late 60s, early 70s um, at Toyota predominantly. Um, if you can get Lean Six Sigma going in your, your factory or your workshop, um, I think that's an absolute must. Um, and yeah, get the technology that exists um, now to actually to manage that supply chain. I think those are the two things that you can control that will give you a competitive edge. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating. One thing that I, I, has been in my mind, Chris, that I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether I'm way off the mark or whether, whether it may play out like this, but if Australia recovers relatively well, um, uh, and, and gets through this, and let's say we, we have our closed borders, and and we are not so we're not trading externally, but we're actually yep. building a, a fairly solid internal economy. W would that cause our dollar to potentially rise? So I just want to sort of like break that into two parts, okay. right? Yeah. I, I the probably the best thing that I'm seeing to come out of all of this is that everyone is focusing on their national supply chain, right? Um, you know, there was an article I read over the weekend saying that like Vietnam have stopped exporting rice, stop, stop exporting rice to Australia. Australia's got very weak domestic rice production. Okay. We're not getting imports anymore. Australia could be out of rice this year. Yeah, right. And I guess Australia and Australians need to kind of look at, I guess, their consumption and their supply chain and going like, well, and I said to my wife, it's like, well, is that the end of the world? Like we can eat pasta, like we can, you know, <laughs> yeah, can, can get starch from elsewhere. Yeah. Like, do we need rice? Do we care? Is, is it, is it the end of the world that I can't get rice or that I have to pay like $20 a kilo for rice? And it's like, well, how bad do you want that rice? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so a lot of people are thinking about and considering their domestic supply chain. And there's been a lot of talk in the United States um, about how much of the, the drug and nutraceutical supply chain of America actually exists in China, right? And we're talking a, a huge percent, north of 90%. Wow. Um, okay. You know, like America doesn't make its own aspirin. It doesn't make its own vitamin C, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it is wholly dependent on a third party to produce its vitamin C, right? Which, you know, that's, that is what it is. But the, the reason I bring that up is because um, I, I had a very interesting conversation last year about, um, uh, about steel tariffs, right? So this was maybe a year or two ago um, when Trump in America introduced steel tariffs, um, I guess, on all steel imports into America, right? Um, and initially, I guess the libertarian in me was just like, you know, just outraged and just going like, man, tariffs aren't the way to do things. Um, and then uh, Australia got let off the hook for that steel tariff, um, which I'm like, oh, cool. So Australia's off the hook. Yeah, you know, tax everyone else on their steel, but, you know, let Australian steel <laughs> flow through to, to, to America free, right? Um, we're all good. Because, I mean, steel is a, is a big business in, a, in Australia. Mm. I guess on one hand, I was thinking about that. On the other hand, I was thinking about how dumb it was that Australia was pulling iron ore and coal out of the ground, shipping those to China, mm. and then buying the steel back from China. Like, that was insane. <laughs> like, the, that yeah. is a more economical, you know, uh, way of doing things than actually just making the steel yourself. I just thought it was insane, right? Anyway, these tariffs rolled through. Fast forward like 12 months, um, and then I'm reading that, you know, the United States is now energy independent in terms of oil production. It's a net exporter of oil now, um, whereas it had always been, um, I guess, uh, dependent on the Arab states for importing oil. Mm -hmm. um, and I was talking to a friend and he said, you know, he asked me, he's like, Chris, what are the two main ingredients for war? You know, and I'm like a bit of a war history buff, right? So I knew the answer to that. He knew I knew the answer. And I said, oil and steel. And it's like, and he's like, exactly. 
I'm like, oh, it's like, don't you think it's a bit of a problem that America has to buy or had to buy steel from its number one rival? Because the next question he asked, I'm like, oh, and that's why America ramped up its domestic production and started and it, it exempted allies like Australia from this steel tariff because it's like, you know, if, you know, if it hits the fan, Australia is going to be dependent on America for, for military support. Yeah, so we'll send as much steel as they want over, right? <laughs> sure. So um, I think the good thing to come out of all of this is domestic production, domestic supply chain, and the nationalization of supply chain, I think, is super important. Yep. Um, now, in terms of the, the impact that has on, on the dollar, I guess by virtue of that, it doesn't actually matter anymore what the dollar is, right? So if we are gotcha. you know, self-contained from a supply chain perspective, right, we don't actually care what, you know, the American dollar or the British pound is trading at because we're digging up our own iron ore, we're digging up our own coal, and we're firing up our own steel furnaces to make our own steel. Like, we don't actually care what's happening outside. Mm. And I actually think that's probably a good thing because, you know, we've had this economic collapse from 2008. We've got, you know, version two here right now yep. where it's like, well, maybe it's not a bad thing if we're a little more sort of enclosed from an economic standpoint. Mm. Mm, fascinating. Um, so I mentioned Steve at the top of the show. I mentioned Steve Hurt, who's uh, from uh, who runs a, a projectile company here in Australia. Who's going to be on the show on Thursday? He's in the chat and he's saying, uh, pointing out that we actually go through this sort of cycle within the gun industry every four years. Now I don't know if it, it happens every every everywhere else, but every four years, you know, the uh, the presidential election starts looming. And, and everyone starts to go over there, get nervous, and we, we get tighter and tighter on supply for a period of time. Yeah, yeah. On how those, uh, how those, um, uh, how everything is polling over there uh, d- depends on how significant that 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 challenge. Yeah, happens. that's uh, that's actually a really good point. I remember there were massive ammo shortages in in the United States back in 2012, was it? And that's probably what he was talking yeah. about. But I can imagine that, like, relative to how the polls look, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's a, a Democrat or Republican. Um, would determine sort of like what supply shortages are. Yes. And I guess the interesting thing here is that you would have to, I guess, as a, as a manufacturer, you would have to kind of make some, some bets around what, well, what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the thing in manufacturing is if you produce too much, you've got a problem. Yep. If you don't produce enough, you've got a problem, <laughs> right? Good. And a lot of that is actually going to, to predicate on which way the wind's blowing in the United States. So it's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and and so we, we he said that um that we we basically go through this supply issue every four years, uh, but this mm. is a this is a massive multiplier at the moment because we oh have, absolutely yeah, with the virus as well yeah we're on this we're on the this uh, sort of election cycle happening, and now we've yeah. got this uh, this massive uh, uh, sort of uh, multiplier that that is really changing things significantly, so um, yeah yeah very very interesting to see. Uh, Jimmy has a yeah. question about uh, Oz study. Um, and, yeah, okay. and he's on our study. Does that, does that get uh, any? Does that get impacted with with any of these additional benefits, or does it just stay as as it was? Okay, so don't quote me on this, right? Okay. Um, yeah. But my understanding is that our study doesn't change. In fact, most pre-existing Centrelink benefits, be it like the the age pension, mm-hmm. Oz study, uh, new, no, not New Start, uh, the other one. Um, what's the study plus youth allowance, okay. um, all of them kind of like stay at their same rates, business as usual, same with the disability support pension and stuff like that. Yeah. They all stay at their existing rates, which is obviously annoying a lot of people, um, you know, uh, the people that were on that before. Yeah. Um, however, I guess the, the, the silver lining here is that there's, um, uh, I think, 202 two times uh, $750 payments that were made to all income support like uh, uh, beneficiaries yep. um, like prior to the announcement date, right? So if you were on our study prior, um, you should have had already uh, $750 land in your account. If you haven't, sit tight um, and it'll come. And then another one, another $750 will land, um, I think, in uh, July, early July, mid-July, okay. sometime around there. Okay. Um, but that, that's pretty much it for people that are on the age pension and all study and that sort of thing, to, to the best of my knowledge. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, very good. Um, just going through through the chat here to see if there's a – so I guess a lot of guys at the moment, um, Steve's saying that uh, that you know, his projectiles are made here, prices haven't changed in a couple of years. Um, in fact, the, the, the dollar dropping could really support his business. Where 
80 to, to 100% of your you know, inputs for making projectiles or whatever um, are locally sourced, then the, the American dollar situation is actually working in your favor, right? Yeah. Because if your biggest competitors are in the United States, well, suddenly their product is costing you know, 50% more than it normally does, right? Which means that you can keep selling and theoretically sell at a larger volume for your existing prices or even get away with jacking up your prices by like 25%. Um, and obviously that increases your, your margin uh, relatively. So, I mean, it's a good uh, situation to be in if you do have a, like a locally sourced supply chain. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I think Steve will. Um, I, I hope he makes he makes a very good product. It's a bit more of a premium product anyway, uh, and, yeah. but this may be the catalyst where it was a premium product and now it's a, a standard now it's, price. Yeah, on par with the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. If he, if he does, yeah, you know, obviously he has to pass on any costs he, he gets uh, accordingly. Yeah. But if he can, uh, but I mean, if that. if that were the case, or if I were in that you know situation i'd be stepping on the gas like fully trying to move as much product while you've got the opportunity right because you have you know your competitors in the united states their product costs 50 percent more now right and their supply chain is seriously constrained mm. yeah you've got a huge like clear runway for you to actually just step on the gas and go as hard as you can and and that's absolutely what i'd be doing in that situation yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, and and it makes a really good, uh, really good product. So it's a good opportunity for people to to try this. Well, yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? It's a marketing exercise mm. because people are going, oh, well, I usually buy, you know, X. Yep. You know, I might buy Y because it's kind of the same price now. Might as well. Yep. Um, and then it's like, well, once they try, they realize that it's a good product. Yeah, and that can actually get you some 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 stickiness in terms of customers. So I think it's a good opportunity. Mm, absolutely, it may actually be uh, be worth our while to do uh, to do a show about um, some of the Australian providers, some of the stuff that's sourced in house. Get some of the more the local guys on there because you know the the guys in the chat are actually talking about some Australian uh, uh, brass manufacturers, some more projectile options uh, for yep. handguns. And get them all on, Rusty. Yeah. Hey, I've got some questions for you um, since I got you here. Okay. Right? Yeah. I, I proclaimed um, pretty early on, on on Twitter that, like, because everyone asked me for investment advice, right? Um, I, I've dedicated my entire career to sort of, like, understanding and discovering money to, to get to the end of the, the, the line and realize that it's all just BS. It's imaginary, right? It's just made up numbers on spreadsheets. But sure. that is all it is, yeah? Um, and the reason I know that is that everyone that's watching right now, just ask yourself, the, the government has spent $200 billion on surplus right now. Mm. Where did the money come from? Yeah. I'm not going to give you the answer. You go find the answer um, and then you'll be as jaded as I am. Right. <laughs> so everyone hits me up for an investment advice. And I say the only, the only assets worth like holding, mm. right, are arable land for farming. Yeah. Yep. Storable food. Yeah, yep. and the guns and ammo to defend them, <laughs> right? Because one without the other, it's kind of pointless, right? Yep. You know, without the food, you, you know, you can have all the ammo in the world, but you'll starve to death, yeah? With, with all the food in the world and no ammo to defend it, well, you're going to lose it pretty quickly, mm -hmm. right? And that, that is my entire investment thesis, right? In all seriousness, okay? Yes. Um, I spent a lot of time at university to come to this conclusion, <laughs> by the way. Um, I, bet that, I, is, I bet that flew real well at uni, by the way. That uh, sounds like... No, no, no. I, I finished uni and then I discovered it. Then, None of my professors were, were talking start. about the, the food and ammunition investment thesis. <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess my question is, like, I've been looking more into this and ammunition is, it, it is a good investment grade asset, right? Yeah, right? The only problem with it, like food, is that it has an expiry date, right? Uh <sighs> But my understanding is that if you keep ammo for 20 years, that ammo ain't going to be good in 20 years. Is that a fair assessment? I would completely disagree with that, and it would be entirely based on how you store that ammo. If you store that ammo in, in a position where it's dry and secure and such, um, that ammo is going to be good for a long, long time. 
um, a long time. Yeah, the, the moisture is is the enemy of ammunition, and, and that would be a problem. But but if you keep it in the right conditions, and and I'm welcome to uh, to be corrected in the chat if anyone's got any other thoughts. But you could you could stick ammo in in good conditions and keep it for a hundred years. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, were, we were talking the other night about uh, about um, the idea that there there can be this bonding that happens between projectiles and cases and stuff like that. And guys, you know, a debate seriously whether or not that could win or lose you a a bench press competition. However, yeah. <laughs> um, that that is not at play in this scenario. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, well, certainly my other thought here is actually about keeping them separately, right? Well, if I look at brass as an investment mm -hmm. asset, mm -hmm. right, and I actually look at the powder as an investment asset and I actually keep them separate yep. until I get to a point that I need it, then I think storing long-term storage actually becomes like, a, I guess, a more, um, you know, tenable proposition, if that makes sense. Yeah, you, you may run into some uh, some legal challenges. Um, oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> because you are, uh, look, I, I don't know about other states, but in SA you're only meant to have 12 months supply worth of ammo. Um, yeah. But, you know, some people shoot through a lot in 12 months, so uh, that could be a fairly big supply, right. and that could be a rolling supply, <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, yep. But, yeah, very very interesting. Here we go. Uh, um uh, so Steve Steve Hurd again has, has jumped in and said um, the temperature and moisture are the critical issues, uh, but 20, yep. year, 20 years, and, and, and Australia is known for producing powder that is, is very uh, environmentally stable. And so because yeah. of that, uh, 20 years will have very little effect on that. As I said, it may not be amazingly accurate, but it will be fine. Yeah, yeah it'll be fine. It'll yeah. go bang. Um, and if anyone on the chat actually has this, I... I'm trying to get some data on, um, like, I guess, ammunition prices, particularly in America, because we've got such a huge sample size over there. Mm -hmm. Ammunition prices, almost like the stock market, right? Yep. Because I think it was Steve before who was saying that the price kind of ebbs and flows with U.S. election cycles. Yes. That is because there's it, from everything I understand, the price of ammunition follows, like, the, I guess, the same principles as the stock market, except that there's no kind of, like, I'm, I'm having trouble getting data points on it, um, yeah, which okay. I, I just think is a bit frustrating for me just because I do have so much faith and confidence in it as an investment asset <laughs> in and of itself. That's a, um, that's a fascinating way to look at it. Yeah, most of the guys just look at it to shoot. But uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I guess I'm thinking of it as an investment-grade asset, mm. you know, because... I mean, the the next time something like this or, you know, something worse comes around, I want you to be calling me up and going like, Chris, how much have you got in your cage, right? <laughs> and I'll, I'll be like, yeah, I've got heaps, but it will cost you. <laughs> it, it, it will cost you, yeah. Maybe I need to add toilet paper to the portfolio after all of this. I, I think, does um, does toilet paper deteriorate over time? That's. Uh... I don't know. We need to get an expert on the show. <laughs> If anybody in the chat knows an expert uh, to in toilet paper or um, or or paper in general, uh, interested in talking. Honestly, I think toilet paper would store better than ammo. Um, I, I think it would store better than ammo. Probably the same factors, uh, isn't it? Temperature and, and moisture is probably the. Uh, I don't the think issues. temperature would affect toilet paper. I think moisture one hundred percent would. Yeah, and it, it could actually affect um, toilet paper more than ammo. Yeah. Um, but I mean, interesting question to put out to the crowd there. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Very good. I, I, I'm still waiting for your answer on how we are going to pay for it all. By the way. Oh, mate. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to pay for it. Um, look, but I, I mean, I can guarantee you that it's going to be by way of additional income taxes, additional sales tax. You know, there's talk of GST going up to 20%, yeah, income right. taxes going up. They're certainly not going to cut spending, no. please. No. Um, and no. then the other way everyone's going to pay for it is through inflation, right? Because um, if you just keep printing money, you know, like there's no tomorrow, yep. well, that has this inflationary effect where everything just costs more. Um and, you know, you've got $1,000 in the bank today. Um, if in 10 years' time that $1,000 has the purchasing power of $500, yeah? Mm. And, like, this is a good way for your audience to think about this. Peg this in number of rounds, right? So how many rounds of ammo can you buy today? How many rounds of ammo with the same money will you be able to buy in 10 years' time, right? Because, yep. you know, ammunition and food and all of that sort of stuff, they're not even investment assets, yeah? They're inflation hedges, mm. right? Because it makes more sense to buy it now, yeah, when the dollar is, I guess, worth more than in 10 years' time when the dollar is worth less because we've printed 
a billion more or 100, 200 billion more. 200 billion. And yeah. there's more circulating around. Like yeah. the fundamentals of supply and, and uh, I guess inflation by default. Um, and it's going to take a long time, you know. And I think our kids and possibly our kids' kids are, are not going to look too fondly on us for the decisions that have been made in the last sort of two months. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. I saw some great memes around that uh, about uh, uh, generational uh, <laughs> payments for this. Uh, so, guys, in the in the chat, we've got about ten yeah. minutes or so left. So, if you have any further questions, um, please uh, please hit us up uh, quickly. Uh, that would be uh, that would be excellent. I'm just scrolling through the chat to see if there is anything else that's come through. Again, a lot of a lot of talk about some of the local manufacturers and and you know ways to support them and and bits and pieces and whether or not they would uh, pursue civilian. Uh, the civilian market in terms of uh, new cartridges and bits and pieces. A lot of these guys are set up um, and, and, and makes a lot of sense. If you think about it, a lot of these guys are set up to produce ammunition and such for the military um, to be able to have that manufacturing in house. So it, yeah, country, yeah, makes sense. Which makes great sense. And they, they do like a over, no, overruns, but they do, they pump out more so they can fulfill civilian markets as well. But, you know, yeah. like civilian markets run different cartridges and calibers and stuff that the, the Yeah, so don't. you'd have to like retool your production lines and all of that sort of stuff to kind of like yeah. to, to satisfy. Um, look, I think it's worth investigating um, because, I mean, the thing is this could be a flash in the pan, you know. Mm. So it's, it's a big, it's a big punt. Um, to kind of adapt your entire production to satisfy a civilian market um, if in six months' time everything's just going to return to business as usual, right? Yeah. And this is, I guess, the the gamble inherent in business, right? Mm. So in, in one respect, you know, you could punt it and be all like, okay, cool, business is not going to return to usual, right? Yeah. Um, you know, demand for American ammunition is just going to, like, plummet. You know, the Australian dollar is going to remain consistently low, I'm going to start catering for a you know, um, civilian market and that's going to cost me $100,000 to retool my production line to, to start making um, civilian-grade uh, munitions. Cool, done, committed that hundred grand. And let's assume that that punt was right, then you're going to be the winner, right? If that punt is wrong, then you've sunk $100,000 to satisfy a civilian market that no longer wants your product in six months' time, right? Yep. Which is, that's going to hurt. Yep. Conversely, I, I guess it's like, well, you could take the pump that it's like, no, everything's going to return back to normal again in six six months' time. I'm not going to retool my production line, yeah? And in in 24 months' time, everything's still the same, right? And, you know, the American supply chain's constrained, the American dollar's still high, and it's like, damn, I missed that opportunity, right? Mm. And I guess for, for all of those manufacturers that are actually on the line right now, like, that's that's something you've got to roll the dice on yourself in terms of like, well, what do you think is going to happen? You know, and there are going to be winners and losers out of this in terms of who makes those decisions. Yeah, we uh, we've taken a, um, a a bit of a punt with our with our club. Actually, we've uh, lowered our membership fee to one dollar rather than uh, one hundred and twenty dollars plus an eighty dollar joining fee. So, guys, at the moment, are signing up. We've signed up in the last three days. We've signed up. 40 new members, so we've gone from about 140 members to about 180. Uh, yep. So it's a big jump. And uh, But the membership is limited, not for 12 months, it's limited to the end of 2020. So if yep. we were able to shoot again in three months, these guys have got a sensational deal. They've got you know six yeah. months' worth of membership for a dollar. Uh, and then hopefully, yeah. of course, our players, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll enjoy themselves and come back. They'll renew next year. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the idea. Yeah. But uh, we may—they've taken a punt for a dollar that we may Correct. may start shooting again November, and they get a month yeah. out of it, and then they're busy that month because everything's come back and they can't make it. And, uh, they've wasted. A, I mean, a dollar's not that big a punt in the current climate. But um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like this is a one-sided bet now. I don't, <laughs> I don't think the buyers have got anything to lose here, really, except it, for a dollar. Exactly right, and, and so I think. It but you know, it's a great way to actually get people engaged with the club. So why not? Yeah, and and so we we have you know because we went as soon as basically when when everything kicked in, we went from like. Oh, we about three or four members a week. We were having jump on board to uh, to zero yep. for weeks on end, and yeah. and then you know this this idea got propped up, and we've gone to forty in three days. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, and 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 again, as you said, hopefully a, a number of them continue on, uh, continue on. Yeah. everyone else who was a member, most of them will, I think. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'd be thinking eighty percent or so. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see yeah. how we go. All right, just going to have one more little check in the chat to see if we've got any further questions uh, on there. Um, the the the. the 
lots of debates around uh, around uh, ADI is the manufacturer they're talking about who produce brass ammo Australian defence industries and, and they're a small yep. part of a very big uh, international company uh, and yep. um, yeah d- defence uh, d- do a lot to keep them uh, <laughs> to keep them alive uh, and I, I, yep. I, don't, I don't think you know they'll do what they can in in um, in the uh, domestic uh, the, the civilian market but I don't think it'll be uh, it'll be massive. Yeah, yeah, they'll keep that going. You know, one thing I will say on the the retooling punt is that I think the decision has been made a lot easier by some of the the government concessions that have been handed out to businesses, particularly the instant asset write off being like jacked up. Mm-hmm. Um, that theoretically, if you do have to retool your production line and you have to get some new equipment, like that equipment is immediately a, t- a tax deduction. So I am seeing the businesses that are doing okay in, in the sense that their business as usual or their revenue has actually increased because yeah. that's the crazy thing. Like half of my clients, their revenue's actually gone up, not like not sideways or down, right? Yeah. Um, and in those cir- circumstances, like buying equipment is a, is a good investment, right? Especially if there's a tax sort of incentive to do so. Yeah. So I think the decision is made a little easier if, you can get a free carry for at least thirty percent of the risk from from the federal government. Mm. Is a, there is a question here, although I'm I'm, I'm aware you, you're in accounting, not in law. Um, but do you Try think me. do you think we we will see any businesses attempt to go down any sort of legal path against the government for shutting aspects or restricting anything? I hope they do. I honestly, I hope they do. Mm-hmm. Right, and I I think that part of the 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 job keeper and all of this stimulus is to kind of like pay off or buy this massive amount of potential litigation that can actually come uh, the federal government's way. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that it has a better chance of flying in the United States yep. um, where I guess people and corporations have got way more rights than they do in Australia, but mm-hmm. there will be litigation. I'm 100% certain of that. Yeah. Um, there'll be worldwide litigation of this because, like, when you think about it, like, what right, in all seriousness, does the government have to say you can no longer conduct business? It, right? It just it feels so wrong, doesn't it? It just mind boggling, right? Yeah. Um, and in Australia, it has every right because I mean, you know, we're subjects, and you know, we're subjected to 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 the will of the monarch, I guess. Um, in America, they're sovereign citizens and they have way, way more rights, um, I guess, against the government or from the government, yeah. um, uh, to, you know, to, uh, to actually litigate things like this. And, you know, I'm a keen follower of tax litigation on an international perspective. Okay. Um, and it's so funny watching American tax law, like lawsuits, right, because everyone has challenged income tax in America from every perspective, like First Amendment, it's a freedom of speech thing, basically arguing that to submit a a tax return to the IRS is compelled speech, right, which is a violation of First Amendment. You know, so it's, you know, all of these, you know, constitutional rights that Americans have, they've argued every single, um, you know, perspective of them. And there have been successful cases, um, you know, more in America than there have been in Australia. Mm. So there will be litigation. I doubt you'll see much successful litigation in Australia, but you will see successful litigation in the United States. Um, And there will probably be stuff that gets pushed up to the Supreme Court in the United States um, that will probably... You know, I'm just I'm just punting here. We'll probably determine that the entire shutdown was unconstitutional in the United States and should have never have happened. Mm. Um, because this is unprecedented in terms of the state actually coming in and shutting down businesses yeah. by the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, in America, like that's going to be a problem for sure. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I, mean, I just I particularly remember sitting on the couch. Uh, this is back when I was sort of making decisions around PRS going ahead or not and, and stuff. And and w- so I was, I was pretty attuned to uh, all the uh, conference. I couldn't care less now. I'm just I'm just doing my thing. But yeah. um, uh, I was watching uh, you know Scott Morrison talk, and, and he talked about tattooers shutting down. Immediately messaged a mate who's who is one, and and uh, and said like you know like that bang gone. That's that's your yeah. livelihood. Uh, like in a press conference. In a press conference. That's how you find out. Yeah. That's how you find out that the government shut you down no, is in a no. press conference. You find out by me messaging you saying, yeah. hey, are you okay? Like, um, what? what are you talking about? 
I'm on the couch watching Netflix. What are you yeah, talking about? Exactly. It's just it's yeah, it's madness. Uh, I think we've had hundreds of those phone calls in the last month, man. It's been oh, insane. I bet. I bet. Um, one more question for you. I think this will be the last yeah. one we'll get to. Um, and we'll, we'll broaden this out a little bit generally, but uh, is it a bad sure. time to buy a high-end scope? So taking, taking a, scope. let's say, a, a $4,000 uh, purchase for something that, you know, by, by chance is probably here in country, perhaps. So yep. it's at an older price, about to hit by 15 20% price rise. Um, yep. But that's money out of your out of your pocket right now. But Four hours after my wife. Right? <laughs> Seriously, it's insane. Yeah. Um, I go three times, four times during the day going from cash is completely worthless. We just need to spend it as soon as it lands, yeah, on like on on food and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. yeah, because it's better locked up in groceries than it is in cash, right? Um, And for, I guess, all of you, uh, all of your viewers who aren't sort of tuned into this, um, they need to Google the term bank run. Put simply, the banks don't have enough money for everyone, okay? and if everyone decides to withdraw their money from the bank at the same time, then the banks collapse, right? And then nobody has any money, right? Because your money is only as valuable as your ability to transact with it. If the banks collapse, you can't transact with your money, thus your money is worthless, yeah? And that coincides with the fact that the government are printing more of it, increasing the supply of it, which means that obviously the money is less worth. Uh, worth less right um so i i oscillate from going like this this cash is worthless i need to convert it into food and and so forth or whatever whatever i want the means of production yeah malt liquor um, I need to convert it into yeah I need yeah, to convert snap. it into something yeah <laughs> sponsored by Glenn Libet yeah, um, I need to convert my money into something yeah yep. that's going to be more useful than money which isn't worth anything mm-hmm. you know in theory two I need to hoard all of my money yeah so that I can save it for a rainy day because I may not have an income in you know in six months time yeah. right and I oscillate between that every every like every two hours, right? Um, So I don't have a clear answer for that because I'm still like, I have no idea. Um, So that's probably not an answer. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so I guess like you you just kind of go with what what feels right in terms of gut, you know? If if you've got a job, if you've got a secure income or whatever, yeah, and you've got got the cash sitting around lazy, like, well, why not? Yeah, so I I think how secure is your, your income? If your income's secure, then you're golden. Go spend as much spend as much money as you physically can, right? If you've just lost your job, you may want to think about groceries instead of a scope. You know, simple as that. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair call. And and I think you know, there's yeah. there's plenty of guys who are in. I mean, they talk about you know the the unemployment rates getting to seven or eight or nine percent or something on those lines, or, or, or higher. But let's say twenty percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Still, eighty percent of guys who still have jobs and absolutely still, that are still yeah, business as usual, man. Still, and I speak to them on the daily. Mm, mm. And and so, um, it's uh, it's it's you know it's, it's useful for for guys who uh, you know for, for people to, to buy stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm I'm staring down the barrel of uh, so to speak. Um, yeah, you know, I'm hoping people could buy projectiles and scopes and stuff. But yeah, you know, e- either way, I'm just going to be doing these and see see where we go from there with uh, yeah. with doing these chats. You know, the other interesting thing to kind of point out on that sort of discretionary spending is that there are a lot of businesses that have been impacted by this mm. by by all of this that are actually doing some pretty crazy sales, man. Like my my missus is you know has got this like you know checklist of stuff she's you know buying in terms of like makeup and clothes and stuff like that because yeah, these right. brands are trying to like get people to spend money you know and they're good looking deals man yeah like she wants to buy like a new quilt or something she showed me the price of it i'm like yeah damn that's like half price buy two do it <laughs> no yeah right um yeah. you know assuming that she got me in the right mood you know? <laughs> depending which Otherwise, two hour cycle you're on mood and yeah. then it's not happening yeah. um so yeah look i think there are good opportunities and good bargains and i've got plenty of them in the last month yeah yeah okay so i guess what we've learned chris is that uh the the, the world is uh, is all sorts of topsy-turvy at the moment and you Absolutely. have mood, mood swings every two hours okay that's, i that's, do that's... but the only constant in life is is arable land uh storable food and, and ammunition <laughs> right, so it should be our viewers. Should... 
and you don't need much else, do you? Yeah, yeah. Our viewers should be, particularly if you can get the the food off the arable land. Um, yeah, even better, right? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time, man. It's great to uh, great to see, you. great to have you on, and uh, and yeah, there has been quite a few guys in in uh, uh, watching us. So, um, I, guys who who were watching, hopefully this has been valuable because I know this is not our normal subject matter for this show, but I suspect seeing some of the questions that came through, some guys have concerns about what's going on in the world, and that's. That's why, Brilliant. you know, great to have Chris come on board and actually be able to put some larger perspective on this because this is the stuff he looks at day to day. Every day. Every single day and not necessarily just in the gun industry and can provide some perspective on that but does have that interest in what we do as well. And, and so, you know, and, and has has clients, including myself, who are in that industry and so therefore yep. has, has a vested interest to, uh, to pay some attention to it. So it's awesome. Yep. Chris, thank you very much for your time, mate. Great to see you and, uh, and we'll no uh, doubt stay safe, stay healthy down there and uh, we will uh, catch up with you soon. Talk to you soon, Rusty. Cheers. Guys, thanks so much for uh, for being involved. Uh, look forward to uh, to tomorrow's show. Um, I uh, Ben hasn't told me who's on. Ben's got it all under control. I'm sure someone's uh, someone's on, on board. Uh, but it will be uh, awesome. Thanks, guys, for for being involved. Hopefully, you got a lot out of this. Uh, hit us up with any uh, any further questions and uh, pass the word out. We'll drop some clips and bits and pieces out from this show and other shows as we as we normally do. Uh, again, don't forget five percent. I keep me keep me in business. Five percent off at uh, Projectile Warehouse. Uh, use the code. ID live, ID L-I-V-E with the number five tacked on the end, ID live five. And uh, we are moving projectiles out the door on a daily basis. It's obviously not over Easter, but anyway, we're, we're keeping on going. Uh, new website coming for Scoped Out sometime soon as well. Uh, I want to let you guys know all of that. And we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks very much. And uh, enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. Hopefully uh, everything is uh, back to normal for you. Cheers.